Welcome to Inside the Barn. I'm Sam Obermeyer. On this edition, I'm joined by Zach Sullivan, a defenseman for the Manchester Storm in the British Elite League. In January 2020, during the EIHL's first Pride weekend, Zach became the first active male professional hockey player to come out as bisexual. A year later, we look back at that moment and how society can continue to make progress, especially in hockey, moving these issues forward. With the pandemic, everything, how are you? What are things like with you? Are What's your daily routine like? Um, well, yeah, uh, probably the same as everyone else, really. Um, our season got kind of postponed and it still hasn't started, so it doesn't look like it's going to be going ahead this season. Um, but fortunately, my mum owns a nursery, uh, children's nursery, so I've been, been helping out there, which is, uh, you know, I said yesterday in an interview that she's her her nursery has given me and my siblings a chance to do everything that we wanted so it's nice to be able to give something back to her and help her out is that kind of maybe been the one positive is more time with family right now yeah if you'd asked me six seven months ago i would have said yes but after spending the best part of a year with them i'm back to uh you know, fam- family's always there for you, but especially for me, and um, they've always been that that rock that I can rely on. So it's it's nice to see them all. We all still live in the same area of the UK, so it's nice to see my family a bit more than than the normal season would allow. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm starting to miss hockey quite a lot now. What are you, you said? It's kind of doubtful the season will get to start. Are, are you are rinks open? Or are you getting to do some stuff there? Yeah, so um, I'm, obviously I'm signed in Manchester, but I live down in Surrey at the moment with my parents. Um, and there's a team roughly an hour away that I've been practicing with, um, London Raiders. Um, and a couple of guys I played juniors with when I was nine or ten years old play there. So it's nice to be able to uh, catch up with them and, and skate with them and kind of keep some kind of fitness level going. It gives you the the escape from the from the nursery for a little while too, I imagine. Yeah, um, fortunately, I'm not one of the practitioners that work with the children. Um, I get to do all the the lovely admin office jobs that my mum doesn't want to do. But you know, like I said, it's it's nice to help her out, uh, especially after everything she's done for us. So you know, part of the reason we're having wanted to have you on now is it's been almost a year since you came out on the Pride Weekend a year ago. Obviously, we just said it hasn't been the year probably any of us imagined, but looking back now, I saw in May you posted a photo on Instagram. You said it was the best day of your life. A year later, is that still true? Yeah, I mean, um, the EIHL have just posted the Pride Weekend games to kind of rewatch them, and I was uh, just rewatching our game before I came on here, and it, it still gives me goosebumps. So, it's yeah, it was... Um, it was a special day and, um, you know, my teammates gave that little bit, gave everything they had in the tank to make sure it was a day to remember for me. So I'm forever thankful to them. And, you know, the fans came out and um, everyone that reached out on Twitter and Instagram. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, still get goosebumps thinking about it. But, yeah, it was it was a really good day. You can tell it brings, it brings a smile to your face. The, the reaction, have you been... Were you surprised by what it's been like and continues to be like? Um, to be honest, I think I would have been surprised 
whatever reaction I got, um, I was the first to kind of do it, especially in the UK. Um, so I didn't, I, I, my housemates knew, um, they'd met my boyfriend at the time and uh, a couple of other team of my teammates knew. And I, I told them the day before, uh, kind of like, look, I don't want you to find out. You probably know already, but I don't want you to find out through a tweet. Um, so yeah, the, the, my teammates always made, made sure that I knew they had my back, which was, uh, which was really nice of them. And, um, you know, their response, which I always uh, go back to was, I turned up for the game on Sunday after the tweet and it had kind of gone viral and um, a couple of guys just gave me a pat on the back, said good job. And then it was just back to normal, it was business as normal. And for me, that was just the perfect reaction from the guys because it was, okay, you've done that, that's, that's brilliant, but you're still the same person and we've still got a hockey game to win. So um, yeah, it made me feel like they, they didn't think I changed. I was still the same person and the same teammate, which, which made it even more special for me. Do you think, did their reaction before you made it more broadly public with the tweet, did that help you, you know, that, okay, I'm getting positive from the people around me? Yeah, well, uh, I, spoke to, I spoke to my best friend, Josh Greeson, in, in Glasgow. We played together a year when I was at the Glasgow clan. And um, I kind of messaged him on a Wednesday. I was like, I think I'm going to tweet on, on Sunday. And he was like, okay, like, do you want a hand? I was like, yeah, please. I have absolutely no idea what to say. Um, so the majority of it was probably his wording. Um, but yeah, it was, um, I told my family at Christmas. Uh, our coach gave us a, a couple of days off at Christmas to see our families. And um, yeah, it was just the people that were closest, nearest and dearest. If, if um, they, they didn't change their opinions of me. So in my head, it was if, if the people that know me the best haven't changed their opinions of me, then, then what right do people who know absolutely nothing about me have to judge me? And, um, you know, uh, Josh's, Josh's reaction was, you know, yeah, I know, <laughs> um, which, was, which was a bit of a shock at first. But, you know, once, once I thought about that, it was, well, if you've known for that long and, and we've still been best friends, then, then it obviously doesn't bother you. Um, so yeah, it was the, the reactions I got from my, my closest friends and, and my family just kind of, um, along with the, the reaction from my teammates made me feel more comfortable. Um, even, if it, even if it had received a negative reaction, I knew that the people that I worked with on a day-to-day -day basis and, and the people that I get on with best wouldn't have changed their opinions. So, so yeah. Yeah, it's the, the people that matter to you. You knew their opinion. So what was what was your biggest motivation to make it public because you could you could have kind of come out to that circle stopped there i mean i think there's there's lots of athletes who we don't know their personal lives and people probably wouldn't aren't asking about their per, personal lives so what was it that made you kind of want it to be just fully out there and known for everyone well it's, there, there are a couple of things i think the the the, the biggest thing for the timing was um it's, it's a message that I believe passionately in that um, it doesn't matter about your sexuality or gender identity, you should be able to play sport. Um, I think that's a pretty simple message and I think it's quite a powerful message as well. Um, and I, I thought to myself and I spoke to Josh and a couple of my other friends and said, this is, if I'm ever gonna do it, now is the time. Um, you know, it's 
the first Pride weekend for the Elite League. And um, yeah, it was I, I wanted to make as big an impact as possible, um, not for my own personal gain, not for any fame or anything like that, but just to reach as many people as possible. Um, so I think that was a big thing for the timing. It was it was a big event. A lot of the fans were, were already behind the, the Pride weekend. And I just thought that it was the best time to, if, like I said, if, if I was gonna, ever going to do it, that was the time. Um, but I think the main reason to, for me to do it was um, I look back over my life and I, I've known I was bisexual since I was 16. And I'm sure people I've known have thought the same thing. Um, but if I had had that, if I had had a role model in ice hockey when I was 16, it would have made my journey to where I am now so, so much easier. Um, so that was my biggest motivation to do it. And um, if it's helped one person, uh, whether they're in, whether they're the other side of the world or, or living in the UK, then, then I think I've done a good thing. Have you heard from people? Have you gotten reaction from people who kind of like that you've inspired? Um, I don't really want to say anything. That's that's their business. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, whether whether you're w whatever sexuality or gender identity you are. It's 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 your journey. Um, if that takes it took took me ten years. If it takes you two months or, or twenty years, that's fine. It's, it's your own personal journey, and um, I don't think it would be right for me to to say anything. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I wasn't expecting you to name names there or anything. Just, yeah, I think you inspired people and I'm, I'm sure you inspire people who you never hear from either. One of the things I noticed in your post a year ago, you mentioned that you, you know, th there was a mental health aspect, which I think is something that, you know, I've talked to other people on the podcast about, but, and that just, you know, whether you're dealing with what you were dealing with or other things in general, about you know being your true self or finding what makes you happy how, how big of a struggle was that you know that you were dealing with beforehand yeah it was um so so when i was around 15 or 16 there was a rumor that that went around my age group of the uk that that i was gay and um it was 10 years ago and you know society was at that point where it's, it's not as open and accepting as it is now. Um, so I was kind of shunned from friendship groups and, and my friends at the time stopped speaking to me. So I think that that had a really uh, lasting negative effect on, on me. Um, but the, uh, the, the best lesson I've ever had from ice hockey was uh, when I was playing in Slough. Um, my grandma had been admitted into hospital and I wasn't I was miserable, I was depressed, I was uh, angry. And um, my teammate came up to me and just said, you know, ice hockey is the moment in your life where you can forget about everything else. You're on the ice with your teammates and you can play the sport you love for two hours, an hour, half an hour. Um, and that was, that was something that I've taken throughout my whole life. You know, whatever personal stuff is going on, when I'm on the ice, I can forget about it and, and just play. Um, and in November, when I, when I told Josh, my best friend, it was, I could feel that it was starting to affect my ice hockey. Um, I couldn't, I could no longer separate the two. Um, and we had watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary on Netflix just before, and I could relate to a lot of what, what he was going through. And 
I didn't want to get to the point where I, I snapped and did something I would regret in my life. So I think that was, for me, it was, my personal life was starting to affect my hockey, which had never happened before. And it was, it was strange. I couldn't figure out why. And then when I told my best friend, it was just, everything was back to normal. Everything was fine. I could concentrate on my hockey when I was playing hockey. So, um, so yeah. Was the lesson maybe there talk to people or, you know, be, be open with others and that can just help you work through things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Bellux talk day, I think was, mm-hmm. was recent. I think it was last weekend. A couple of days. Uh, yeah. Uh, which is, you know, I think, ice hockey has the stigma of being a sport that doesn't accept anyone that's different. Um, and I think Bell Let's Talk Day is the most progressive thing in sport around mental health. Uh, ice hockey players talk freely, as ice hockey players I know talk freely about their mental health, their own and others. And um, I think it's good to have that environment where you can talk to people. Um, if you try and go through the struggle by yourself, like like I try to do, it's, it it weighs you down. It becomes a, a very heavy burden. And I don't think anyone's really cut out to, to do that by themselves. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely, um, you know, the biggest piece of advice I give to, to people who might be LBGT and, and not out is surround yourself with people that, that don't care about that kind of thing. And I think that's the same with mental health, to surround yourself with people who, who are there if you need to talk to. And it sounds like ho- hockey was, as you said, there, there's a perceived negative culture. And some of that I think is definitely true. And people are trying to change that. But in a way, for you also, it was, as you said, kind of an escape or a release where you didn't have to worry about the real world. I, I think that's what sports is for lots of people, whether it's whether they're playing or whether it's, you know, getting to sit down and watch a hockey game or a football match for a couple hours, like that, it gives you, you know, you can tune out the rest of the world, tune out your problems. And it seems like that community really helped you during those times, even before you were out too. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Like, like perfect. Uh, what you said was it's, it's an escape. Um, you just forget about whatever's going on in your life and you, you play the sport or you watch the sport that you love, love to play or watch and, um yeah it's it's that's that's the the big thing behind my message is you know there are there are millions of people around the world who probably use sport for that reason or play sport for that reason or even watch sport for that reason why should the lgbt plus community not have that same uh have that same liberty um so yeah i i don't understand people that could oppose it um I don't think people's sexuality or gender identity matter. Um, so, yeah, it's people are people. It doesn't matter who they love or, or who they are. They, if they're people, they can play sports. And you, you said you were in your first year with Manchester last year. And I have to imagine that you had to have felt that your teammates were going to support you when you came out to them and when, when you were going to take it a step further and put it online that so even without maybe them saying it, you had to feel that this is a comfortable group. What was it about that team that made you feel you could trust them or that they would have your back? Yeah, I had a, a pretty rotten personal year the year before in Glasgow, um, which ended up with me not resigning there. Um, 
I then went to New Zealand and played in New Zealand for the summer and kind of fell back in love with hockey and realized that I did want to carry on playing. Um, and yeah, it was, I, I reunited with a coach that signed me in the elite league for my first year in Glasgow. And um, we have a really good working relationship and um, I got on really well with him. And, and then it was just the, the way that my teammates were with me. It wasn't, uh, you know, they treated me as an equal, not as we're in Ports, you're a Brit, um, which is sometimes the case. And we, we just got on really well. We, we were a really tight knit group. And um, I think my, the first teammate I told was Tyson Fawcett. Um, we used to go to the gym to, to use the sauna and, and the hot tub and that kind of stuff every, every day. And, um, I said, oh, I've got a date on Tuesday. And he was like, oh, is it, where, where did you meet her? Did you meet her on Instagram? Did you meet her on Tinder? It's like all this. And I was like, um, I met him on a dating app. And he was like, him? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, cool. So that was like the first person I told. And he was the guy I, hang out, I, I hung out with all the time. So his response was kind of like, ah, all right, cool. Have fun. Um, so it was, again, it was like the people that I was closest to didn't care. So, so why should anyone else? That, that came out a bit too challenging. I didn't mean it quite as challenging, but you know, the, the people closest to me didn't care. They didn't think I was any different. They didn't treat me any differently. So as far as I was concerned, it was what, what right does anyone else have to judge me? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they didn't care in a good way. Cause you know, the, yeah, exactly. it, it wasn't a negative. It was th that didn't matter to them. They they loved you no matter who who you loved, basically. Yeah, and they uh, they made sure to still grill me about my my personal life because they knew they, it made me uncomfortable. Have they have they knowing hockey players have they grilled you about the media attention? Yeah, we um, so fin Finner, my coach uh, Ryan Finity, he met he he talked to me after the game and said, look we're expecting quite a lot of um, media response from this. Um, like if it ever gets too much, Finner was brilliant from all the way through. And he said, if it ever gets too much, just let me know and I'll cut it. I'll, I'll stop sending you, I'll stop saying you're available. Um, and then it kind of got to like midday on the Monday and he hadn't messaged me, he hadn't phoned me. So I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I don't have to go all over all the news uh, outlets and, uh, then inevitably, like five minutes later, he called me, he said, BBC and ITV want you to go to, to Media City and do some interviews. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, I, I got grilled quite a lot. Foss, uh, Fossey came with me on the Monday for kind of moral support. And um, it was kind of nonstop for the first, first month or so. And um, we usually had gym after practice and... Finner would let me go and do podcasts or an interview and, and they're oh you're too important to go to the gym now and all this kind of stuff. So it was it was all good natured though. They were all really supportive and um, you know, they they I think most of them read all the interviews, which I wasn't expecting. So it was yeah, it was uh, they were they were ribbing me but in a in a friendly way, letting them letting me know that they knew it mattered. Talked a lot about I think getting support from people who are kind of outside the community to support you, your, your friends. How important is it to have those allies right now and that how, what is their role 
an important thing, making kind of the step forward and making more progress to make it welcoming. So more people are comfortable coming out if they want to, or just, you know, getting involved in the sport in any way that they can and know it's a welcoming community. Yeah. I mean, um, I think I, I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but for myself, the, the biggest worry for me was losing my friends, losing their respect and their love. Um, this is going to make me get quite emotional. Uh, and I spoke to, spoke to my, my other best friend, Craig Peacock, who plays in Glasgow still. Um, and I, we, we played them the day after I had told Josh. And um, I just messaged him when he was on the bus down saying, can we talk after the game? Um, and he didn't say anything during the game. It was normal game. And he, we spoke after the game. And I kind of told him and he, he said, okay, I'll probably love you even more now. So that was, um, sorry. Uh, yeah, that was, that was hit home to me that my two best friends still treated me the same, still felt the same way about me. So I think that's, that's a big thing because for me, I built that reaction up so much that it was going to be so negative and I'd, I'd be isolated. I wouldn't have any friends. I wouldn't have anyone to talk to. And, and I think if people are proactively showing that they support the LGBT community, it's, it takes that doubt and, and kind of trepidation away. Um, you know, I wouldn't, if it was me going through the same thing and I knew what I knew now about my friends, I wouldn't have the same doubts and the same fears or worries. What, what are some things you think people could do to make, cause, you know, I think there, there are people who may not know whether their friends are LGBT, you know, but what are some things that either players or fans or coaches could do at all different levels to make that more welcoming? Yeah, I think the, the big thing is the use of homophobic slurs. Um, I was unfortunately a, a victim of it in in December before I came out and um, I think it's kind of the education side of it you know teaching people not to use that language um, there are certain words which are unusable in the English language and there's no reason why homophobic slurs can't be part of that um, and I think if I, I don't think people realize the negative how much of a negative effect it can have on on someone who isn't out hasn't come out um, or doesn't have the confidence to come out and um, I think that's kind of the first step I think the Pride Games are brilliant um, it shows a league-wide support and uh, from personal experience whenever there's a Pride game you know all the guys are, are really amped up to play they're really supportive of it and they're really behind it and I think kind of the next step with the Pride Games is, is the education of the language um, there are plenty of ways to tell someone you don't like them in an offensive manner without using homophobic slurs. So I think, I think the education side of it is, is hugely important now. That's also just seems like it's a, a societal issue as much as it is. It, maybe it's more pre prevalent in sports, but I think just as a society, teaching people that at a younger age, especially at a kid's level, can have a big impact as when they grow up. Yeah, it's, um, society always leads the way. If, if society doesn't change, sport isn't going to change. Um, a lot of people look up to sports, but, you know, it's, it's the society that needs to change first. And without that, 
you know, if, if you're if you're not taught it at a young age and you go into sports, then then you won't know the negative effects that you're having. So it's I think if if you want to make what uh, sport more accepting, I think society needs to become more accepting uh, first. Do you think you could have done what you did? You kind of alludes this, but if, if you were the same age 10 years ago, do you think this would have been possible? No, um, I don't think so. Uh, it's taken me a lot of hard talks to myself and um, yeah, it, I, don't, I don't think there was any way that I, I could have done what I did now 10 years ago. It's, um, I, I don't think I was ready. Um, I probably don't think I, I don't think I was ready when I actually did it either. But um, I, for me, it was kind of now or never. Um, so yeah, it's uh, no, I, 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 it's a short answer, but no, I don't think I could have. Where do you hope in ten years? Do you how do you hope or how do you think we can measure progress in this issue ten years from now to make sure we're we're on that right path? I think it's uh, it's a bit of an oxymoron because I'm sat here talking to you right now, but I think in 10 years time, if someone comes out and it doesn't make the news, then then you can see that we've made progress. Um, you know, why, why should someone's sexuality be newsworthy? Because they play sports. Um, and until we're at that stage in, in society and in sport, then uh, I th for me, that's it. Other people might have uh, different end goals and that's that's absolutely fine but for me it's just to get to the point where it doesn't matter people don't raise an eyebrow people just go okay cool and and to go one step further than that to get to a point where people don't have to come out and sport it doesn't have to be a big deal it's it's if I come out and everyone had gone okay great got on with their lives then then great we're at a point where it's not newsworthy. And it's, it's, it's kind of an oxymoron because I'm, like I said, I'm sat here talking to you, but if I, if I were to come out in 10 years time and we were at a point where it didn't make the news, then, then that for me would be the end goal. For, for, me, for me, sport is, sports people play a child's game for money. And, and the, the whole, uh, industry of sport is built on entertainment. So if someone, if someone is, all, all that should matter is their talent level, their skill level, their ability to play that sport. Because if that person is better, is, is more talented, more skillful, more hardworking, then, then they will provide a better entertainment value. So where in that equation does sexuality come into it? Where does that, in that equation does gender identity come into it? So, so for me, it's, Sports is an entertainment industry. We're extremely lucky to be able to play a sport for a living. And sexuality, LGBT, uh, color, creed, religion, shouldn't matter. All that should matter is how hard you're willing to work how, how, and how good you are. That should be all that matters. Well said. Um, slightly different, but what you just touched on there was what did you think when you saw like the NHL go on pause last August, last summer during the playoffs for the Black Lives Matter movement? I think it's, you know, I think it's big. I, I, um, I think I was, 
I, I ended up doing the NHL Instagram story, but I was supposed to be doing it that week. And uh, the, I think it was the head of PR messaged me, emailed me saying, we're doing this. Can we put your thing on hold? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think it's important that people realize that this isn't a political issue. You know, it's a basic human rights issue. It's, it's a basic equality issue. Um, and and I, I can't even begin to understand why you would think differently of someone because they have a different melanin count in their skin. It's, it baffles me, it honestly does. And I thought it was great that the NHL came out um, and not just the NHL, but the players as well. It was one thing for the NHL to go, look, we're going on pause, but for the NHL players to come out in the solidarity that they showed for Black Lives Matters, it, it made it clear that it wasn't just a, a PR stunt. They, they cared about this issue. It was something that they, they wanted to address. And I think people need to realize that it goes into sport. It, it seeps into sport. Sport is a part of society. And, and if something in society isn't right, sport, sport has that profile to make a difference. Um, the big campaign over here is um, the taking a knee before the Premier League games. And every single player is, is involved and they're happy to be involved. And I think that shows solidarity in the sporting community. And, and if the sporting community can show that, why can't the wider community? No, I, I think well said. And I think how, how these are all connected is it's, it's human rights, it's human decency. And if you're a good person, that's really all that sh should matter. Yeah. Um, I'll, get, I'll get you out on this because you, you touched on it earlier. You mentioned going to New Zealand and refinding your love and getting to play a season there. I'm guessing that's not where most people go to refine their love of hockey. But what was that like? Because you don't hear, I, I know of the Australian League. I, Nathan Walker has played in the NHL. I've gotten to talk to him here. But and obviously, we know of hockey in Europe. But what was your experience like down in New Zealand? Yeah. Um... Like I said, it was it was a really tough personal year for me the year before. Um, I didn't see eye to eye with with my coach that year, and um, a couple of my family members had complications. And um, I, I spoke to Craig Peacock, who I was living with that year, and he had been in New Zealand the year before for this for the same kind of reason. He he had kind of lost a bit of love for hockey and. I was at the same kind of point he was and he, we were just talking one night and he just turned around and said, look, you should go to New Zealand. You'll absolutely love it. You'll come back and you'll want to play for another 50 years. Um, so I signed in, um, in Canterbury, which I think is the second biggest city in New Zealand. Um, and a few, few guys I knew in the UK had been out to play a couple of years before. And it was just a breath of fresh air. You, you were playing with guys that played because they wanted to play. They weren't playing to make ends meet. You know, the majority of guys out there were paying to play. Um, and, and here I was coming over from the UK, my flights paid for, my accommodation paid for, everything I could ask for paid for. And it was just a, a breath of fresh air to play with guys that were just playing because they wanted to play. They loved the sport that much that they, they wanted to play. And, um, we won't go into much of our, our season record because it was pretty abysmal. Um, but no, it was just, uh, I got a different perspective. Um, I've been pay, pay, paid to play for, for five years by that point. And I think I forgot the reason why I was playing. 
Um, so yeah, it was it was nice to go out there, and um, I still keep in touch with a few of the guys as well, which is really nice. And um, yeah, it, it like I said, it gave me that different perspective of, and and it made me remember why I started playing in the first place. I can't thank Zach enough for coming on and sharing this important story. You can follow him on Twitter at ZachSully11. Until next time, thanks for listening.